You're listening to the GID podcast series produced by Alistair Grant and Elida Cow. This podcast brings together students studying global innovation design at Imperial College London and the Royal College of Arts. The second series of the GID podcast is being recorded for the Work in Progress show 2022. You can learn more about each of the students featured and their work by heading to whip2022.rca.ac.uk. Hello, welcome to the fourth episode of the GID podcast series. My name is Louisa Skyam, and today with me, I have Eve LaRouge and Marco Dare. Hello, hello. <laughs> and we will be discussing design in everyday life, success and failures. Wonderful. Yes. So I will um, kind of start off with saying hello, Eve and uh, Marco. Hello. Hello, Would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Hello, everybody. My name is Eve, uh, and I'm a product designer from Paris. Uh, I'm here in GID explaining more the question of like how we can like transform our behaviors uh, for like future residents, um, for resident future in general. And to me, I'm Marco. Really nice to talk to you, you both. And my background is in communication design. I'm really interested in understanding the impact that communication has in our, our everyday life. And so I'm really focusing into now human autonomy, competence and relatedness. Mm. And uh, I'm Luisa and I'm a multidisciplinary designer. Um, I had an undergrad in design which was quite broad, but I was mainly exploring materials and I would say most of my stuff focused on sustainability and climate change. And also the Terra Carta competition that you're going on, so good luck with that. <laughs> Thank you, that's exciting. As you maybe heard was that we have quite different design backgrounds mm -hmm. and interests, which is amazing with our course because it allows all of these design worlds meet and you as a listener maybe you're a designer maybe you are new to this and you wonder okay what is design and out there a lot of people might think oh you make chairs right or you maybe sew dresses apps you know websites um, these traditional I would say almost claim outdated way of thinking of design so Ev, how would you kind of explain to the listener how we see design maybe, or from your perspective? So it's a broad topic, uh, I would say. But um, like design, there is like many uh, facets of design. Like there is like also like many expertise, like graphic design, product design, textile design. But like being a designer, I think it's like mostly more um, about a way of like conceiving things and about like to really um, frame ideas and be able like to make it. So it's more like the, um, the balance between like, I don't know, like progress, for example, like how we learn, like how to make a chair, basically, like decades after decades, century after century, like there were like makers who were just like thinking, oh, we should like maybe arrange this uh, piece of food into this one. So there is like more tension so we can like save material. So this is like more progress on like what you learn. But designing is like more about being able like to conceptualize this and like to anticipate and to be able also like to... Uh, give it to someone that will be able to understand it and build it also. Mm. Yeah, I would add on this, like what you said, it's not about just form and function. It's about coming up with these ideas and thinking of the responsibility of putting it out in the world, how it might affect um, exactly. the world around us and be yeah conscious about 
people, environment, materials, uh, everything. Yeah, to me, actually, design changed a lot entering GAD, entering this global innovation design uh, course. Before, to me, having this background in communication and also user experience design, it was about solving problems. So it's a design as a problem solver uh, tool. I think that also now, also in the, in the last 20, 30 years, in a way, design became more and more, let's say that it got a strategic role. And also became like we, designers, we became like sort of unlockers of certain, you know, situation, not just uh, next to art or next to products, as we were saying, but also in governments, also in startups, like design is going everywhere right now. And to me, uh, design is evolving and it's not just about problem solving, but it's also about problem setting, like uh, which, why are we doing this and which is the problem that I'm looking for and how should I frame this problem? And I think that this is the reason why, like having a why, having a purpose is what also I got. Would you say like your classmates, discussions with them have, you know, also shaped um, your standpoint? Yeah. Maybe have? Uh, when I joined JD, it was mostly for an idea of like a broader vision of design itself. So I, yeah, I've come from a very specific learning of design and I was like really coming, joining JD like to like confront myself to like what is design in a very much more wide perspective. So it's very complicated right now like to define yourself also as a designer because like it could be anywhere, everywhere. Like we need designer, we need like innovators and conceptors uh, at every scales, uh, everywhere. Yeah. And I guess maybe some designers out there, out there might relate to this question when you mention, oh, I'm a designer or like, oh, I'm a multidisciplinary designer or interdisciplinary designer. Most people will immediately ask, oh, what kind of design? Uh, because they like to put it into like boxes and categories that they recognize. But I think these categories, you know, are maybe above those uh, boxes. Yeah, on these, I want to add a thing like, this is really curious how we need this categorization and maybe it's coming from, you know, industrial revolution in which everything has to be on its place because a machine has to be set in a certain way. There is not, a, you know, a continuous prototyping, like you have to arrive to the final product that has to work in that way. So maybe our society now are also learning, for example, I'm thinking about my country, Italy is really strict in the categories. Like a designer is not even seen as a, a profession right now. It's like, but, but still, uh, that's curious because before the Industrial Revolution, it wasn't like that. Before the Industrial Revolution, there was still that will to find a solution to try and error and mistake and redo it. And this is a thing, actually, going back to the question that you said, what I've learned from you guys, it's changing my way of doing that. I was really into categories. I was really thinking 2D and going through a precise process. In the meanwhile, we were doing futures, like it was a, a subject at the beginning of the course. And also we were sharing our processes. And there was a, a girl that, it was you, Louise, that actually you were saying, how do you come up with your or ideas, with your problem solving? And you didn't have a map. Basically you have an idea, brings me to another idea, brings me to another idea, brings me to another idea. And it was crazy to me. Didn't make sense at all. And I think that this is the power of, in a way, 
uh, being with other people, as I was saying, in different culture and different backgrounds and design backgrounds. So going back of what it was before the Industrial Revolution, actually. Yeah, I must, <laughs> I must say there's definitely people in this course that had also helped me to become a bit more rig uh, rigorous, uh, rigorous in, my, in my research and process, uh, which is great because we're part of uh, Imperial College, so we get an MSc, so we need that little bit of science and rigor in what we do. Now, if I can just add something on like these boxes that like we are very, I mean, I'm personally against it. And I think like among like designers, it's something that it's very hard to define, but it's something that we need because like as designer, we are working for people like we, we have clients, like we are working for our environment, uh, for companies, for um, government uh, or just individual who are just like using the subway, for example. So we need to address to them. And so we need boxes for them to understand what we will be able to bring uh, as designer to them. So just, just yeah. boxes are like, we can have like multiple boxes. But I think that this, this thing is changing. I don't know if yeah. we want to go on with this conversation, but this thing yeah. is changing. And I think that GID is the great example to on this. Definitely. But yeah. still, like, you need to present yourself yeah. in multiple ways. But also, if you now go in an organization and government, they understand potentially what could be the figure of of a designer. And hopefully this thing will, will go on. And I think that potentially design will disappear. Because we're not doing anything special. We're just make, bringing sense in putting stuff together. We're not special. Design <laughs> is not special. <laughs> no, it is. Like, I, I feel like that hopefully one day design will be so used everywhere they will become invisible and maybe they will be you know a new kind of creature yeah so ev and i we talked a little bit the other day and you were mentioning oh yeah design is about making lives better um yeah you were mentioning problem solving earlier marco but do you want to maybe explain to the listener what you meant with making lives better so it's more about like I think design is uh, there. Like we are designing uh, to improve our life and to make everything that's around you easier. Uh, like how do you push the door? Like um, how do you even like use a subway? Like all the signals that you have. Like we need design in all aspects of our daily lives. Like to make uh, our routine uh, better and like more livable in a way, uh, if it makes sense. Yeah. Totally. Something I was introduced to here at RCA was um, the Helen Hamlin Center, where they are um, focusing on inclusive design, which is, I think, should be talked about much more. But it's about asking who are you making the lives better for? And there's this big group of people that we, or sometimes designer might forget. We're thinking about, oh, how can we make it better for average person but there are a lot of people out there who cannot you know live in those spaces that we create what i've learned also here especially in projects that are related to climate change and climate crisis that is life now is getting a broader meaning like it's not just about human life it's about life of any kind of human like living being around us uh, and for sure i agree that design is making us better but uh, and has to make us our our life better but also has to make the planet life the environment life better so uh, make it, us behave be yeah better it makes us ourselves. behave exactly yeah 
So, and those things are going like side by side. I guess that brings us on to talking a little bit about good and bad design. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we want to make lives better and behaviors better. But, you know, what is good and what is bad design? And who can kind of, um, you know, judge that or make up the definition of what is good and bad? And maybe we don't even know today what is good and bad, but in the future it turns out to be really bad. And the first slide that comes to my mind is more um, the question of context. Like, how much do you know about uh, who is your target? Like, who for you are you, for who are you working for exactly? Uh, and in which setup? Like, in which country? Which culture? Uh, which like what exactly is the need? Um, and I think it's like why I came up in GID because I wanted like to be able to really like. Um, be precise and like be able to narrow down my research and be as close as possible as the people I was designing for. Um, so there's this dimension of like context and of scale. Like we don't have to go big or so. Uh, it's really important to learn at small scale and like the very specificity of those spaces. And like, um, but yeah, I think it's more about like, yeah, deep research and understanding uh who are you working for mm-hmm. like also bad and good design uh first we have to understand what does it mean good and bad like it makes me go back to Anna Arendt sorry of this historical thing do you know Anna Arendt and the Mm-mm. banality of evil yeah. like the fact that you can't really you do not really know what evil is till you are forced into your into your context that's why also we are understanding that maybe something designed in UK is good or yes, let's say good and something and the same thing designed in Tokyo is bad or something designed in this another context is bad. So despite of this cultural granularity that we have to face, and I think that is the most fascinating thing of our course, um, I think that um, to me, a good design is uh, related to well-being and related to psychological well-being and the fact that from country to country, uh, we have to be autonomous. We have to be able to understand what we are doing and what the design is telling us. We have to understand the context through the design. So we have to know the competence. And also we have to relate to the others and how the others are relating to the same object, the same environment. It's more like shades of gray more than good or bad. For sure, going all around the, the, the world, a thing that I've discovered is that the bathtubs are all good or really badly designed. Like here in UK, I do not know how, where is hot, where is cold. <laughs> so also going back to design of our daily life, also to me, when you understand how to use a place or a service or a product and in that context could be good or bad, but maybe Ev is more into this. No, I just have something to add, just like listening to you talking. It's like the idea of as a collective and like how we collaborate and like, good design is also like a team of people I think like we are not a lonely designer uh, coming up with solutions uh, out of nowhere like uh, we are surrounded we are like uh, meeting experts we are like meeting people like we are doing investigations on field and like for me it's like where um, where design is and where designers um, have a role to play because everybody can design like everybody is able 
uh, capable of innovating in his daily life. And like what makes us designers, like we have an expertise, like we have been trained to have um, a kind of design process and we're able like to um, share the design process at different scales in different contexts. Like we are versatile and this is our expertise and that is like what we can share and how we can like make it for the profit of a more a broader collective of individual and even a collective of designer. <laughs> yeah. I think also the importance is that we take ownership of everything we make. Sometimes you cannot foresee always how far in, in history and the effect it will have in the future. Let's say the Berlin Wall was designed with one purpose, to divide a city, a country. Um, but then later on, you know, it turned out to be this tourist attraction, this piece like all these pieces you can see in museums or you can put them on the postcards and buy them and they became a huge value for Berlin and the and the population there so the one who designed it probably didn't have that in um, the back of his head but things evolve and as far as head we can predict things I think the better design it can become yeah it's also fascinating sometimes maybe an over-engineered situation like we saw the too big infrastructure by Hankoving in, in New York after the Hurricane Sandy. Like it's a project that took a lot of effort, a lot of money, a lot of people behind it. But it's it seems that it's not going in the direction they were thinking about. And it was maybe over-engineered. And you do not know what is, could happen. Like a pandemic can completely change the world in, in two seconds. So... This is also fascinating and to me a nice thing that we are learning also thanks to digital and thanks to this prototyping, continuous prototyping, is the ability to uh, change the products in the meanwhile that the time goes on. Yeah, I just reminded like this uh, funny story of um, the sugar bags, like the stick of sugar bag, like for mm -hmm. your tea or whatever. Uh, the inventor of it like designed it like to like break it from the middle and so having the two uh oh no on really the side. yeah <laughs> oh no so like oh. you had to break the bag like from the middle tonight. but like everybody of course because you don't want to have like sugar all over the place <laughs> you just like yeah uh break it from one side and yeah. then you have everything like it's something that like he didn't design as yeah. an inventor like he didn't think of it and it's like what everybody does instantly and it's crazy like how to see like how people appropriate things and how also like they push the design to another direction uh, and see it like grow in a way. Yeah, I guess that can lead us on to the next question, which is, could you maybe share a little failure you've experienced uh, in this course where you've probably learned from? This is a difficult one. Yeah. Like this is, Louisa, you didn't know, you didn't have to do that. What do we mean with failure? Where maybe where things didn't really go as planned but then maybe it turned out to be for the better mm. or maybe just the fact that it didn't turn out taught you something mm -hmm. um, I mean failure in like failure personal failure or project failure project like, yeah. you, if you want to share others yeah. Yeah. they are correlated <laughs> I think yeah. yeah yeah of course but I think I don't know like my biggest failure in GID I think was to try to fit uh, in an idea I had of the course and like forgetting about like what is my practice, like how I work. So it's important to always listen to like 
yourself and how you sing and like uh, so this was a failure that like um, also like was translated into like my first project in the course. I must say like one of my projects probably was the vision project where I was exploring what's seaweed. The what's the vision project, by the way? Uh, well, we were asked to do whatever we wanted. Ooh. They were like, you have a space and time to explore something you might be scared of doing later as your major project, but just get it out of your system mm -hmm. um, or maybe tap into it and figure out, oh, this is what I want to continue with. Mm. And I wanted to explore seaweed. I always wanted to explore seaweed since my undergrad. But at that stage, I was actually scared of the fact that I was not a biologist and not a chemist and didn't know those fields. But now I've kind of gotten the courage to be like, no, as a designer, I don't need to be a biologist or a chemist. My kind of skill and job is to understand what they're doing and work with them, but also push their knowledge into new fields and ideas. So, but this was during lockdown, so I didn't have access to any of these labs. So I was in my kitchen and it was a series of failures, basically, just playing around with um, agar agar and alginate like boiling and mixing in things I wanted to make it like foamy or hard or thick it never worked out but in the end I kind of came across this very interesting property that was like ah this might have some potential and it, it came from me just continuously failing with what I wanted to failing make. or trying just yeah agar agar <laughs> <laughs> now to me I think that the biggest failure was related to my body and not listening to my body, continuing working and working because, of course, you get excited. Of course, design is beautiful and you, you never stop. And, and then at a certain point, your body decides to leave you alone uh, and, and not to follow you what you need. And so that was one of the great learnings that I got that, we should listen to our body always and to work if we feel it also during late night but also always to to feel it's like when like going back to the real medicine in which you should look at your poop to see if you are healthy <laughs> but no but anyways like yeah we are contributing making interventions to bring good things in the world but at the same time we have to take care of ourselves because life is short and there are many beautiful things that we still to do, right? It's a bit sad what I was saying, but that's that's actually important also creativity-wise. Mm. I think also a bit what you're saying, like with maybe with success is like to be content sometimes mm -hmm. with the small, the small success in everyday life, like getting enough sleep um, or handing in your... That's a great success. Yeah, <laughs> yeah handing in your project in time. But uh, we kind of maybe have these bigger goals of what success is. Ev, do you maybe, could you tell us a little bit how you measure success? For me, like designing like solutions were like easy to understand. Uh, so we're coming back to inclusive design. But like what is like the most convivial tool you could design? And so it's more about like, yeah, reaching in a shortest way, in the easiest way, simplest way possible. How do you reach uh, the people who use uh, your product, your app, uh, your space? Mm. Yeah, I would say success for me was never ever about grades. 
Um, <laughs> why not? <laughs> why not? Because I never got good grades, Marco. Ah. Yeah. Uh, well, I got good grades if I really loved what I was doing and which actually led me to design uh, because what I loved in, in primary school and high school were more like the practical, creative subjects. Um, but then in my undergrad, I still didn't get good grades and I just decided, you know what, that's not defining me as a designer and my success in what I do. Um, and so I kind of always had a little bit of imposter syndrome, I would say, just doing my own thing um, and not feeling fully like a competent designer. Also because my background was just design in general. I didn't feel like I had the speciality to call myself any of the specific fields. But then, yeah, first year of GID, all the design students at RCA are part of this competition called Grand Challenge. And I was put in an amazing team and we worked really, really hard and we ended up winning. And that just showed me, you know, how hard I had to work to kind of feel like I succeeded and accomplished something. And um, I kind of measure all my projects from there since knowing like, okay, if I work that hard, I can succeed. Nice. I guess it's my turn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But it's like, to me, I think... Success in a project could be giving the right amount of time to a project because I feel like that any kind of theme, topic or design practice need time. And the more you spend time, also not in a stress. Um, I think that you go deeper and deeper and deeper into this funnel that brings you some solid new knowledge, some new, new people that you meet. Like the more time you spend on something, the more more free you can get also doing this project, the more opportunities, the the, the new and the unexpected, the unexpected can come out. So I feel like that to me, at least what I've learned is to just give time. And when I manage to give time to a certain project, to me, it's already a success. I just want to add something because you are so like in a scientific master And an important yeah. part also of the success is like, as you said, like also like how much time do we dedicate to it? But also like what are finding during the design process itself? Yeah. And I think it's very important like to have that the success is not the final product, but like more like what you've learned from it. And like also like how you're able like to share it with your peers, like the design community to the research community, to the scientific community. Like what's your uh, project like? brought into life and like how we could like make babies also like in other designers <laughs> mind uh so like how yeah inspire others inspiring other, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly for sure i would add also that success is also the impact that we bring uh at the end if we were like out of gd i think that this is a great playground in which we could we can at least Uh, play and understand and we should maybe focus on ourselves and the other people and try to absorb as much as possible and then when we go out of course it's about ourselves because we never stop to learn how to design but also at the same time it's about what we bring because at the end our design has to have an impact it's not just about the problem setting or at least our problem setting has to go to someone that is able to make an impact and the impact could be can can be can have different natures yeah What have we learned at this course when it comes to how we can create positive impact 
And um, I would then start saying that both large impact and small impact is important. Um, studying global innovation design might put a lot of people into pressure feeling, oh, I need to make this huge positive change in the world and how can I do this? These things often have rippling effects. So if you can help one person, that might also be fitting for another person in the world. And then suddenly you're actually helping certainly 100 people but you need to start somewhere and not always feel like um, I have to save the world because I do global innovation design yeah I think it's it's fair and I think that this discussion also could go to our daily life like if I say if I see Marco that is walking really slowly and he can't open the door because he can't open the door helping him is already a sort of impact if you want to call him like that like it's a way of helping a person and at the same time like if we uh for example my family is not really aware about climate change and italy is going to be one of the countries that will be hit the most like to me impact is also to introduce them slowly to the topic for example i personally joined this course like truly believing into like uh learning from small context and you will bring a bigger impact later like not you but someone else Uh, so I'd really this logic of like small and it will be big one day, maybe or maybe not. I mean, it's something that I really learned from uh, to yeah uh, make a reference to one famous turn designer, which is Ezio Manzini. Um, and who says that everybody design. Yeah, Viva Italia. And it's like really, I think, because of him that I joined JID because I was really seeing that global means really like being able to understand as much as possible uh, of small context mm. and so being mm. able like through that to really learn from it and so inspire each other so it just yeah it's really something like uh, his work or like examples that like I don't know for example there is this uh, service they created I think it was in Milan elderly people who had like a lot of rooms in their house so they started to create a kind of platform for like uh, for elderly people to host uh, students and it worked perfectly i mean it was kind of a bubble beautiful but it you know it was a small uh a very specific context uh and it has an impact at a city scale but it's something that also like can be brought into other city how like ideas uh can also like grow somewhere else mm. michael do you have something more you want to add or are you Yeah, I think that what I've learned is that Gene GID, like being global, is really important. Uh, we are facing even more complex um, situations. And if we want to go really on the other side of what Ed have said, that it, it's about a small place and small things, it's also at the same time about the huge and super distant places in the world. Like I think that having this different perspective uh was and 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 leaving them because one thing is trying to study them read about them but then moving from place to place talking to people um smelling the air in those places yeah. living in the house and seeing how the table is uh, how the the windows are there's so many things about people that gives you a wider perspective and brings you also doubts to yourself yeah i guess that Also, like the global aspect is very relevant when you're focusing on climate change and how to deal with that because it is a global problem affecting absolutely everyone. But sometimes it might be that single intervention in that local community that 
you know, has an impact and other communities can learn, uh, but we need to start somewhere. Yeah, it's all about sharing and adapting and transforming what exists. Where do you want to start from? I guess, well, I would say... Among us. Yeah, <laughs> find find your, your, if you can, you know, listen to yourself and find your passion because mm-hmm. you need a lot of drive to solve uh, world problems. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a tough journey, but try to stay ahead of it and positive and take care of your mental health. That's important. Yeah. Being humble too, I think. Yeah. No, that no. <laughs> I mean, it, it's like, <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> French and Italians are not always like mm. against each other. Mm. Um, no, I, I think it's important like to do your work with passion um, and like just be led by that more by the pressure of like having success or like... Uh, I think like doing, you know, your work, being the best at what you do and it will show the best benefit ever. And I think being humble is like a good thing. I mean, I think we are leaving this phase, but yeah, the last decade was very Mm. about like star architect, star designer, like about names and branding. And now there is this big wave that was already existing, but like we are more collective yeah, I have a perspective Sorry. on this. If I no, no, it, may, it makes total sense. But what I would say is that also these people that are creating their branding around them, they have a lot of power, and power doesn't mean that it's, I'm just fancy, but it's also having a lot of responsibilities. So I imagine a situation which we will be able to balance the two things, like being able to give ourselves some credit and being able to be influencing, mm. and but at the same time remaining humble. Because I think that this balance should be there. Because if we are just, you know... Silent on silent, our desks exactly, in our studios. It's, it's, it's still powerful for ourselves, for the people that we help, and it's still really helpful. But if you feel like that you want to do something big, try to do something big, stepping back every time and see yourself if you're damaging someone with being this big. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. And hopefully you learned something new or maybe we confirmed some of your thoughts. And uh, yeah, please reach out to any uh, current students or alumni if you have questions about the course. And I think all of us are just enjoying our time a lot here. Yeah. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to GID Podcast. This is Elida. And this is Alistair. We hope you enjoyed. If you did, please feel free to share this with your mum, your dad, your best friend, even your ex. See you next time.